Des Moines. Now, today's biggest stories from the BMW of Des Moines Sports Desk. This is an X's and O's update on Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. And I'm Trent Condon. Iowa State sophomore guard Tyrese Halliburton helped lead Team USA to the Under-19 Championship in the FIBA Under-19 Games. Halliburton had six points, eight assists, and four rebounds in the 93-79 win over Mali. Iowa State has announced their 2019-2020 non-conference schedule. The Cyclones open November 5th against Mississippi Valley State, along with matchups at Oregon State and home for Seton Hall in Iowa, plus the battle for Atlantis, with a field that includes Gonzaga, Michigan, and North Carolina. To the Women's World Cup Championship tilt, USA and the Netherlands, and another title for Team USA. Helped on by Mewis to LaFell. The game's opening up. Rose LaFell. Lovely run. Great goal. Brilliant goal. Rose LaFell might have won the World Cup for the United States with a fantastic goal. 2 nothing. the final on the call from FIFA TV. Last day before the All-Star break in MLB, the Cubs and the White Sox from the south side. And Aloy Jimenez goes deep again for the Pale Hose. 3-2 on Aloy. In the air, center field. Almora back at the warning track. It is gone again. Another center field rocket. The call from Jason Benetti on WGN Sports. Tonight, it's the home run derby from Cleveland before tomorrow night's all-star game. And baseball play-by-play tonight on KXNO. 7 o'clock is Southeast Pope. Host West Des Moines Valley in SCIML Tilt. Stay up to date at KXNO.com and all day long on Des Moines Sports Station. 1460 KXNO. Live from the Wild Rose Casino and Resort Jefferson Studios. You'd rather be here. This is 1460 KXNO. Hawkeyes, Cyclones, Panthers, and Bulldogs. Yeah, we got that covered. This is Des Moines Sports Station. 1460 KXNO. Hi, 11 o'clock hour. Miller and Condon, uh, now with our hour to go here on Des Moines Sports Station 1460 KXNO. Cyclones and Hawkeyes are indeed coming up. Dylan Montz, 10 minutes or so, Ames Tribune on Iowa State. Uh, 30 minutes from now, Scott Dockerman from The Athletic on the Hawkeyes. Just another reason, Trent, why the Stanley Cup is far and away the greatest trophy in all of sports. Have you seen the Twitter that's making its way around, uh, particularly this morning? Tyler Bozak plays for the uh, St. Louis Blues. Won okay. the Cup. Everybody gets a day with the Cup. Mm-hmm. Cup travels all over the world. If you're a Russian, try the, the cup's going to make its way to your hometown in Russia, et cetera, et cetera. So Bozak, I don't know where his, uh, his cabin is. He's a Canadian, so I'm assuming it's up there somewhere. Um, him and his wife had a party, and the Stanley Cup, it was their day. So they got a, a, a dinner plate, put the, filled the dinner plate with salt, right? With salt. Salt. Sprinkled salt all over the dinner plate. Then grabbed the cup. Uh-huh. Put lime... On the top of the cup, uh-huh, uh-huh. right? Like, I, like I know where you're going. Like it's kind of a glass. You, I guess what you're going to fill this thing up with, but to, before you get, you got to get the salt to stick. So you outline or whatever it's called the glass with the lime to get the salt to stick. Turn the cup upside down. Place said cup on dinner plate. The salt sticks to the dinner plate. Then you grab the tequila and the margarita <laughs> mix. Insert the ice. I mean, it's such a great. It's. Maybe it's just me and the, my Canadian is showing. But. It is not at all. It is the best sport, uh, trophy in sport. Mm-hmm. It's not close. <laughs> the Lombardi trophies 
Okay. Yeah, but you can't do this. I mean, we see families eating their breakfast fruit loops and stuff yes. out of it like that. And I mean, this I've never seen the, uh, the, 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 I mean, maybe it's happened before, but for Bozak and his wife to make it a big margarita glass, that's priceless. And we saw, if not the worst, one of the worst trophies in sport yesterday. The, the World, World Cup? The World Cup. Yeah, it's not the... I mean, the same yeah. thing on the men's side. It is an awful, mm-hmm. ugly, small trophy. Mm-hmm. It is small. For World Cup, which, I mean, the men's side is considered the the biggest tournament in the world. To have that be the trophy? I wonder how much those the, those trophies are worth. Do they... It's got to be a new one. It's not a traveling trophy, I is would, it? I wouldn't think so. You know what the most... And I don't know if this is true or not. I might uh, have told you this before. Yes, yes, I the know where you The most expensive trophy in all of sports is the... Um, the Derby, right? Uh, no, the Preakness. The Preakness. Yeah. I knew it was a horse racing one. The Woodlawn Vaz, and you can check it up, and you can check to see if we're fully, you know what, go to Google, Woodlawn Vaz. Story with this trophy, it was... Um, buried a, somewhere, It right? was in a southern family, yep, and it was buried in their lawn or in their property during the Civil War Okay, because they didn't want someone to find it, melt it down, and make shot out of it. So that's why they wow. buried the trophy, and it's now in display in... What in the Maryland Museum or whatever? Yeah, yeah. But um, yeah, but back to your point. The uh, the tr- the the trophy is yeah. It's not. It's not the. I mean, look at doesn't does it matter at right, that point if right. your trophy's good? You know that game itself. Did you when you were watching it? I found myself at least in the first half thinking. You're going to let these guys hang around. Yeah, yeah. Because they had so many chances, the Americans mm-hmm. seemingly, and they just couldn't bury one. They're getting all those, uh, all those kicks, uh, goal kicks, and one after another getting close, but unable to find the back of the net. And you know damn well what's coming. Netherlands are going to get a greasy one, a real fluke goal, and they're going to win this thing. Had that feeling. It I did. Just, it was tilting mm-hmm. that way for a long time where the U.S. was dominating, but it wasn't showing right. up. It was and- zip, zip. There's been a few of those, you know, going back to what was it the, the match against England where they get on top one nothing, right back one yeah, one uh, one one really quick, yeah, and then two one. And but it just it, it had that feeling mm-hmm. that something was going to go right. That shows you though, and that, that's another component why this U.S. women's national team is so much fun to watch. It, it's not just that they're really good because they are, but they also just have this this aura about them that just hangs around. That and maybe not playing their best, but they'll be fine. They'll find a way. They'll even if they would give one up, that they'd be okay. Mm-hmm. And in a way, that there was a part of me that would like to see them down one nothing yeah, to see how they would have responded. Yeah, good point. Because we didn't see that throughout. Mm-hmm. We we saw tight matches. We saw if things go their way or go the other way. But in the end, they always obviously were able to get it done. But to see them down, to see how they'd respond, just kind of the, that other avenue of sport that would have been fun. And my money still would have been on them. I just mm-hmm. because they have. It's fun to watch an American team that has that. And we see this in a lot of sports. It just has this certain, can't really put your finger on it. You can't, certainly nothing that's going to show up on a, on a screen if you're trying to, you know, put things down and sabermetric it. You can't find it, but they just have it. And we saw it again yesterday. We did, and now they'll come home and they'll have a parade in New York, I believe, on Wednesday. I think that they're going to have the, uh, what do they call them, the ticker tape parade yeah. or Avenue of Champions uh, is, is wherever the New York sports teams or uh, U.S. sports teams and the parades in New York, that's where it's at. All right, we went to break to teasing this a little bit, and we'll spend more time on it, obviously, as we get through here, as we uh, uh, move toward the weeks to come. Have you found... 
Look, last year I picked Jacksonville and Atlanta to play in the Super Bowl, and neither one of those it didn't teams happen. no, neither one of them qualified for an opportunity to participate in the postseason. Uh, so you can only get better from here. Have you found that non-playoff team? Because there's always one. Yes, that is going to be a major pain in the you know what this year. That is on the if you're buying stock, if you've got a you know, if you're if you're headed to soon Prairie Meadows or mm-hmm. Wildwood Rose or Wild Rose Casino rather, um to bet an NFL future. A non playoff team, you have to find one, folks, because you're gonna get them at fifteen or twenty to one in all likelihood. Have you found them? It might be that team that you had a year ago. The NFC one. The Atlanta. Atlanta? Taking a deeper look there. New mm-hmm. Orleans after what happened last year, bouncing back. Yeah. I mean, it's a conversation we have a lot about the Super Bowl loser, mm-hmm. but the fashion that they lost last year mm-hmm. to the Rams, where they're going to be, the bounce well, back. Compounded on the year before, what happened to them yes. in, up in the um, Twin Cities. Yes, good call there. Saints are talented, no doubt. I mean, Father Time's got to catch up at some point with Drew Beeries, yeah. you, would, you would think. You know so, who's waiting in the wings still, don't you? Teddy Bridgewater. Right. Good call there. Yeah, I, I want to see him get his chance. Yeah. I really do. I thought that, you know, when he got hurt with the Vikings, I thought he was on the precipice, not becoming elite, mm-hmm. not an Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady type, of, you know, not that level of quarterback in the league. But top half, top yes, 12. Yes, for sure. I yeah. thought he was a top, going to become a top 10 QB. And, I mean, he's lucky, some people say, lucky he didn't lose part of his leg, yes. for crying out loud. I hope he gets his chance. I'm right there with you. I so, thought he looked good in a Bronco uniform. Honestly, oh, yeah. I did. Better than Flacco? Well, go, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, but going back even last yeah. year to the Case Keenum um, situation, and he signed Case Keenum, who's now a Redskin, I thought, I thought that they should take Bridgewater if they could, but they didn't, and... Uh, so you're going to go Atlanta as that team? Atlanta's huh? off, they're a ways off the board here. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can go Cleveland, but they're just so yeah. Everybody's trendy. going to be on Cleveland. Right. That's just it. That it's not very fun. In fact, right now they have the third best odds to win the AFC. Cleveland does. Cleveland Six to win to the one. AFC. To win the AFC. Patriots well, New England's got the lowest yep. odds. Yeah, and uh, and then the Chiefs are four to one. Mm-hmm. Six Where to are one the Chargers? The Plus seven fifty. That's Something I was looking oh, I at. I love the Chargers, friend. I know you But do. you know what? I can probably say that going back the last 10 years that I've loved this. I'm a Philip Rivers guy. I hope he gets his opportunity. I really, opportunity to, to win a Lombardi. Who's your team? Well, I don't know yet. You can't go. The it, Dolphins are. No, tanking. no. No one's going to, no one's going to get there in, in the. Are you a believer Bills? in Zach Taylor in Cincinnati? No, no, I'm not. Maybe Tennessee. That was one another one that I looked at. I could buy that, yeah. Mm-hmm. I like their odds. There's uh What does Nick Foles do for Jacksonville? Tennessee just to make the playoffs. Not have to win their division, just make the playoffs. Get in. Plus two forty. So win nine ten games mm-hmm. to feel safe. They made it two years ago, beat the uh-huh. Chiefs, of course, in the first round. Might be worth worth the taste there. Um they they had two teams in the playoffs out of that division last year, correct? Houston and the Colts both made. Yes. It. Colts, I love this Colts team. Um, Houston. So if, if if it's going to be tennis, well, we can get two wild cards out of that same division, mm-hmm. but I don't think that's going to be the case because whoever doesn't win the West, the Chargers, the Chiefs, you have to like their chances of snapping up one of those, don't you? Who do you like in the NFC? Is there a, a team down there? So I, there's the a lot of Packer love out there. There is. I, I, I don't know if I can go there yet. I didn't love – they went out and spent. Mm-hmm. I mean – 
You got to give Gutekunst some credit. But Rogers and Lafleur are already at each other's yeah. not throat. But they're. I mean, if you're if you're a new head coach and this is your first head coaching opportunity, and you've got one of the greatest quarterbacks that has ever played the game, and Aaron Rodgers is, mm-hmm. you're going to come and rock that boat. Doesn't seem like the smartest business decision for a head coach. How about the Vikings? I love the talent on this roster still. Mm-hmm. It's it's a pretty easy equation, Kirk Cousins. Yeah, that's where it all comes down to, is it? Right? Because the offensive line is going to be better. Yes. They're going to be better. Uh, and not put up numbers, uh, Kirk Cousins, but actually win games. Uh, no? You're not buying that. I Seattle? want to. They play here. We're big fans of Paul Allen. We yeah. get Paul Allen in, dur- during the season. I hope that we're talking to Paul in December and it's relevant to right, our conversation. Right. Um, we're not just previewing the team that they're playing against. So what was your last one? Seattle? Seattle? See, I like the if there's a if there's a dark horse in that division, you know who I like? Your 49ers? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Jimmy G bouncing back. That's just it. He's got to play the whole year. Mm-hmm. Um. I like Shanahan. I think Kyle Shanahan is a brilliant offensive mind. I mentioned the uh, NFC South with uh, going with Atlanta. What about Carolina? I don't know. Cam Newton deal with the shoulder. Yeah, they got to the Super Bowl in 2015. Was it 2015 season? Mm -hmm. The Super Bowl was played in 16, right? Yeah, I think. Um, I don't know. I can't buy that Carolina team. I can buy your Atlanta team. All right, we'll come back uh, with, uh, we'll revisit that in the days, weeks to come. Uh, but right uh, now, we're going to take a break. We'll come back. We're going to talk Iowa State. They've got their four participants named. Who will be in Dallas uh, representing the Cyclones in Media Days? Dylan Montz, we'll talk about that and uh, well, more on Iowa State. How about Therese, uh, Tyrese Halliburton? Good for him. Trent, awesome. He was. He had a significant role in this in this victory. Led uh, all players in assists. And was named the all-tournament team. He was. He had Good one for of the him. Five. Played really well. Enjoy him this year, folks. And NBA scouts, yeah, they're talking even more. Salivate. Enjoy him this year. Because yep. the uh, the next Cyclone to leave eligibility on the table um, is the one we're referring to. We'll come back. Iowa State Conversation. Scott Dockerman on Iowa 11.35. Miller and Condon until noon. Des Moines Sports Station, 14.6. Night today. It's 24-hour sports, morning, noon, and night, here on 1460 KXNO. All right, Miller and Condon, Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO, with you here until noon. Murph and Andy, today at 2, the Fanatics hit the airwaves at 4, and you've got high school baseball tonight, SEP and Valley at 7. Yes, all the way out in lovely Altoona, Pleasant Hill, Runnels. Oh, so you're going on the road. Going way out on the road here tonight. Love that ballpark, though, the beautiful synthetic turf, and uh, great to see Southeast Polk. No surprise, another really good team this season. Uh, we will uh, be on the air tonight. Well, we won't. You will. It's uh, 7 o'clock. Oh, yeah, I thought you were coming out no, with me. No, but you've got company this week, correct? You're, tell, tell, tell us about this. It's pretty cool. Wednesday, uh, got a game scheduled and was looking for a way to get out to Des Moines East. Now, East and Hoover, both of those facilities don't have lights. So instead of a 5 and 7 o'clock doubleheader, they play at 3.30 and 5.30. Well, tough to do it, obviously. Not going to take the Fanatics off the air for a high school baseball game. But found an angle here. It's All-Star Week. Things are a little bit slower during this week. Figured, let's get to Des Moines East. Let's go to the East side. Love calling games from out there and don't have the opportunity very often. Let's bring our fellow uh, person here on the air. Our colleague. That's an East alum. And I believe he played for the Scarlet. Did he not? He did. Ross Peterson. 
So the guys will do the fanatics from four until five thirty, five thirty, five forty five. And the they'll game be starts. there. They'll be there doing Good. the show from the press box. Might pop in for a minute or two, and then as soon as we go into the actual gameplay, play by play. We'll jump into it. Ross and I will good. have the call on That's Wednesday good. evening. Good for you guys. That should be fun. Yeah. Uh, weather going to cooperate? Have you looked ahead? I haven't looked ahead. You're you're the weather guy here. Well, you know, uh, uh, sorry, Dylan, uh, keeping you on hold as long as we we'll get to you here momentarily. We'll push Doc back. Are we? Are we? In Hi, trouble? Dylan. How are you? Uh, I'm doing well, guys, and uh, I, I love talking high school baseball, so I'm just eating it all up. Well, give me one more second because I got one thing left to do, and Trent has tasked me to get the uh, forecast for Wednesday. Uh, sunny in '84. Beautiful. Home free. Love that. Home Dylan, free. you've seen some pretty good uh, high school baseball up that way, I know. Roland Story, they're seemingly good each and every year. Gilbert, I have uh, high in my 3A rankings that you can find at KXNO.com. So you've probably seen a little good high school baseball so far this year. Yeah, Ballard has a pretty uh, yep. stingy team, too. So uh, there's some pretty good good baseball in the, the middle part of the state. But, um, yeah, yeah, I'll be in for a couple games this week. Uh, I'm not sure exactly where. i got to iron a few things out with the schedule. But um, it, it's fun, especially when the weather cooperates. It's good to be out at the ballpark and um, catch some rays and, and watch some ball. So. Well, you can't uh, – don't put uh, anything on your schedule for Monday and Tuesday because you're busy. <laughs> You'll be in Dallas next week at Big 12 Media Days. You know, Dylan, uh, tip of the cap to you. We tossed this around with you uh, last Monday, I believe it was. You know, just talking about Matt Campbell's difficult decisions because seemingly there are, you know, he could take six, seven guys. You're only allowed to take four. Uh, we got three of them. We had, uh, we had Jaquan Bailey. We thought that Spears was a lock that's going to go. We both felt, or all felt that Shante Jones probably is going to get the call. But then we wondered who's going to be that fourth one. Trent and I settled on Good Jones. You said, eh, not sure, boys. I thought if I had to take an offensive lineman, it would be Kniffle. Um, so you had that one right. Did they get the right four? And is the, it's not a snub. He's a sophomore. Are they making, not a mistake, should Brock Purdy be a part of it or is just too soon as a sophomore? The, the way Matt Campbell talks about Brock Purdy, I would have not been surprised at all if he would have gotten the nod. And, yeah, of course he's a sophomore. And so I think it's just, you know, maybe a, a thing where they're kind of trying to ease him into it because of the expectations. Maybe that'll be placed on the team and on the offense and certainly on him. But I, I don't think he could have gone wrong with uh, Deshante Jones or, or Josh Kneffel. And then I, I was kind of looking through some of the other guys that are going to be going from other schools. And I think only two other schools are actually taking their quarterbacks. Uh, Skylar Thompson for Kansas State is going to be going and then um, Sam Ellinger from Texas. So uh, really not a lot of mm. schools are going to be taking their quarterbacks. Um, you know, Brock Purdy obviously could have been the guy and um, would, would have been a good good representative down there, but um, they, they kind of went with um, some, some veterans. I think all of them are seniors now, so it's, yep. um, I think they kind of skewed older. Because of that, when you looked at the list and, and you're looking through, of course the quarterbacks are places for the other teams you want to go to. When you're going through the list of the other nine teams in the Big 12, is there a name or two that jumped out to you said, I'd like to spend five, seven minutes of sitting down with this player and getting their perspective? Yeah, I, I just scanned the list really quick. Um, you know, I think uh, really where I'd like to go is some of the um, guys that have new coaches. Um, you can go over to West Virginia. They've had a lot of turnover on mm-hmm. their roster, so they're going to be a lot, uh, a very different-looking team. Uh, Texas Tech uh, certainly kind of. Um, you know, how up and down they've been, kind of getting someone as stable as Matt Wells has been at Utah State uh, to come in. Um, then uh, certainly with uh, the Kansas guys and left miles and, and the upheaval and turnover they've had in their programs to, to get a guy like him who's, 
who's uh, won at a high level, won a national championship at LSU, um, you know, kind of how things have maybe turned for them. And then Kansas State with Chris Pyman, um, you know, certainly kind of is, is going to be interesting because of how, um, uh, you know, Bill Snyder's run the program for so many years. So I, I think those are probably the types of guys that I'll go after first. And then, um, you know, it, it wouldn't be bad to sneak in there and, and get a minute with Ellinger if I can wade through the 200 <laughs> people that are going to be crowded around his table. Yeah, he's going he's gonna to have a crowd, no doubt about it. He's a Heisman candidate, I would have to think. Uh, certainly would be on my list at, uh, at this point of the year. I'm anxious to see uh, and hear from Les Miles at this thing, you know, because... Look, over, over the past few years of going to these things, um, you know, Mike Leach was one of the stars and you had to be in the room to listen to Bill Snyder. Maybe it was better once the, you know, once you got to that kind of that scrum at the end of it. Even Art Briles, you know, is, um, uh, clearly the way it ended. It's, um, you're not ashamed of yourself for paying as much attention to Browse, but the two years I covered it, Browse was appointment for me that I had to go and listen to what he had to say just because I loved the way he listened uh, and, and talked to the game. But Les Miles this year, might he be the coach that, A, because he's new, uh, B, because he has the resume that he does, you know, you know. Normally, nobody cares about the Kansas coach, right? You do in, in in October when it comes to Big Twelve basketball media days. But football media days, if you're going to take one off, it's usually the Kansas football coach. You can't this year. Yeah, absolutely. I think he's uh, probably one A, and then maybe Mike Gundy's like a one B uh, if he starts talking about snake handling or snake wrangling or whatever <laughs> the heck he does down there in Oklahoma, snake hunting. Maybe it is. Um, but I think Les Miles uh, again because he's kind of a um, quirky guy anyway uh, and ended up taking that job I think um, the kind of confluence of of personality with football program is is really intriguing and something that I think people are going to really pay attention to because they have gotten out on the recruiting trail and, and done some good things and certainly it's a little bit easier to recruit when you have a uh, O&O's you know, record so far at the school but I think um, because he has done it at a program like LSU, maybe those skills are transferable and um, certainly has the cachet to, to uh, get guys you know, notice, noticing Kansas football. So I think seeing what he has to say, what kind of challenges those jo- that job is, um, you know, is what I'm going to be paying attention to because people kind of gave him a little bit of um, grief, I guess, for his introductory press conference, not necessarily being on point, kind of giving him time now to get really settled in, being Lawrence be around the facilities, be around the current players, um, you know, get kind of some recruiting classes rolling, um, kind of maybe how, how he's adapted and, and what he's kind of learned already just in the, you know, handful of months that he's been on the job. Deshante Jones, a guy that Ken and I talked about a little bit earlier, saw him his freshman year, he was making big plays, but has yet to take that kind of next step. Going into his senior year, what's next? Is there still upside in him, or is he just kind of is what he is, a slot guy, an underneath guy? He'll catch some passes, but maybe not a guy that you can count on to catch 50 balls in a year. Yeah, it's been really hard to judge because of how deep they've been at the position with mm-hmm. guys like, you know, you go back to Alan Lazard and, yep. um, you know, Trevor Ryan, uh, who played that same position, and that's kind of why you maybe saw a little bit of a dip in, in Deshante Jones' sophomore year because the, the reps just weren't there. They were they were going with Trevor Ryan, and he would come in and, d- and do some good things, but it just um, wasn't as consistent maybe his freshman year. And then Last year, I thought he put up some good numbers, but again, you're kind of going against uh, Hakeem Butler for those, and that's why I think his senior year is uh, going to be so big because he's going to be one of those guys that they lean on along with Tariq Milton. And um, I, we've talked about Michael Petway, the Arkansas graduate transfer, uh, when I've been on before, and mm-hmm. um, you know, certainly with his big body, 
he's going to be a guy that'll get some get some targets on the outside. But really, uh, with Deshante Jones being here as long as he has, he's kind of the guy that everybody's looking to to go make big plays. And um, you know, you can pinpoint a few in, in the last couple of years the, that uh, touchdown catch against West Virginia over those two DBs. Um, you know, it was certainly a big play and a big moment in the game, and um, you know, kind of a few throughout his career. But I think now that there's a little bit more opportunity and there's a little bit more, I, I guess, unknown or uncertainty with the wide, re- wide receiver position, um, he can be a guy that um, you know it can just benefit from that because they can go his way a little bit more, and um, the offense can change a little bit with Tom Manning coming back with Brock Purdy, and then. Some of the other guys, um, you know, at wide receiver that maybe haven't proven themselves yet. You know, Dylan. The more I study this Iowa State team, the the, the two positions that and correct me if I'm wrong. I mean, I, they're clearly set at quarterback. I think they're set at offensive line. We know who the linebackers are going to be. The defensive line is as stout as any uh, in, in the Big Twelve, and you know, you can make that case that that the defensive front, like they're not Clemson from last year. I'm not saying that they are, but they're pretty damn good. Uh, there's maybe some questions in the secondary. They've got some guys at receivers. They've got some guys at running back. But might these two be two of the biggest camp battles as to you know how the receptions are going to shake out and how the carries are going to shake out? Yeah, I think wide receiver is is clearly the the top position that they're kind of focused on. And I think um, you know it might even lean a little bit more defensive backs than it does running backs in terms of what what they're trying to really figure out. And uh, like you said, they they've got guys that have experience that. Um, DB with, um, you know, you can talk about uh, Daytron Young and Anthony Johnson in corner, Greg Eisworth and Braxton Lewis at safety, and then maybe throw in another guy like Justin Bickham uh, as your starters, but then you got to figure out some depth. But I think, um, you know, the, the wide receiver spot, certainly they, they're, they're kind of uh, slowly figuring things out and they'll, they'll get more, obviously, once they get to preseason camp. But you have Deshante Jones, you have well, Michael Pellway, you have Tariq Milton, you have um, Landon Akers, who it sounds like could play um, behind Jones a little bit at the end position. You have Darren Wilson, the junior college kid. Um, then you have um, young guys like Sean Shaw Jr. You have Joseph Skate. So they have some bodies. It's just guys have to figure out exactly, you know, how, how many reps they can get, what, um, you know, what their skill sets are, how they can kind of suit the offense to those guys and, and maybe where to go from there. And then, um, yeah, I, I think the carries part uh, for running backs is going to be most intriguing. And I think they feel pretty comfortable with a Kane Nawangu, Sheldon Crony type of guy to start off the season. But then, um, you know, one of my biggest questions is, does one of the freshmen end up, you know, kind of rising up and, and being the guy as the season goes along, similar to what we saw a few years ago with David Montgomery kind of um, taking over the role from Mike Warren later in the year. So I, I certainly think that possibility exists, but I think they feel pretty comfortable about what Kane Nawangu and Sheldon Crony can give them, at least to start off the year and, and kind of get into a little bit of a rhythm. You know, it's been interesting this summer, Dylan, as we've conversed throughout. We haven't brought up the specialists very much and the difference you know, between this being a special season, another one that maybe is bowl eligible but not getting to that Big 12 championship game could come down to the kicking and the punting game. Asali had his struggles last year. Narvison was a big recruit, at least for the kicker position, but he redshirted a year ago. And then we saw Dunn, who was certainly inconsistent his oh, first the year Cy on Hawk game, he was terrible. He was really bad there, and there was others that he was really good. What about the specialists? Your thoughts and what do you think Coach Campbell's going to have to say about that? Good next question. Week? Yeah, I think that's kind of one of the, like you said, it's been kind of under the radar. And I, it wasn't even really asked that much about in spring practices. And I, I got Matt Campbell off to the side a little bit 
at one of the tailgate tour stops. And I'm like, you know, what's going on with these guys? And I think, um, as of right now, I think Connor Sally would be your place ticker. I think they have confidence in him that a year under his belt. I mean, he did go make some big kicks, but again, you know, inconsistent at times. So it's just one of those things where you get another year under your belt you can fine tune some things and, and maybe be the guy there. And then um, Chris Francis is gone now as your kickoff guy. So I think, um, you know, from, from the sound of it, Peyton Paddock, um, an Iowa native from Monticello over in the Eastern part of the state could be the guy that takes over there. And Braden Arvison is, um, you know, certainly not out of any competitions, but now he's maybe kind of, um, you know, your, your third option there, at least for the place kicker job. And then um, with Punter, I think, Corey Dunn, you know, certainly we talked about it all throughout last season. Some of the, um, you know, ways in which a couple kicks cost them some big mm-hmm. field position. But I think the way, you know, the, the way they recruit, the way they kind of evaluate these kids, they, they give them opportunities. Um, you know, they still believe in them. You know, I talked to Matt Campbell about that as well. And, um, you know, as many big points as he kind of whiffed on, missed on, I think uh, they still see some potential there as well to – to go out and do some good things. So he, he'd probably be your, your guy there too. So I don't know if there's really going to be a, a huge overhaul with the specialist group. Um, it's just kind of maybe um, pinpointing exactly uh, who can kind of fit in those spots yeah. and create some depth maybe. Uh, done last year, the cancellation of South Dakota State, I think his first two punts as a Cyclone were in Kinnick Stadium, and he put his team behind the eight ball on both of them. Uh, very good points. Uh, Dylan, great stuff. We will uh, talk to you in advance, try to make uh, arrangements to uh, grab you on the fly at some point next week when you're covering Big 12 Media Days from Dallas for the Ames Tribune. Dylan, thank you. We will uh, talk to you here. Yeah, appreciate you guys. Thank you. Yeah, good to talk to you. Dillamont's Ames Tribune. Quick time out. We're ton late. Scott Dockham and the Athletic on the Hawkeyes next. Miller and Condon. Des Moines Sports Station, 1460. Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. Hi, Miller and Condon, Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. Welcome back. Taking you up uh, right until noon. Murph and Andy at 2, uh, Fanatics at 4. Let's get Scott Dockerman in here from The Athletic. Doc, uh, good to talk to you as always. Welcome back for vacation. Is that sale at The Athletic? Did it end yesterday? Is today the last day? Uh, yesterday was the last of the Independence Day sale, but we still do have one regarding uh, 40% off on our State of the Program series, which uh, wraps up here. I think this week might be the last week of it. We just had a Minnesota story yesterday, and I think we have one more Big Ten one coming out on Purdue. So, uh, yeah, it's still going on, and I'm sure we'll have something here pretty soon as well, and a different one. Yeah, well, there seemingly is. You know, it's uh, we all look forward to the magazines coming out, but now you look forward to The Athletic, too, because you guys do an in-depth uh, look at the the teams that, uh, that you cover, as you mentioned. I think the Purdue is the only one that we're still waiting for. You know, I go back to a piece, and you reposted it uh, on Northwestern in Iowa. Is the Iowa-Northwestern series, look, we get that there's a pig on the line in Minnesota and Iowa-Wisconsin's always going to be big and, you know, Illinois-Iowa maybe more of a basketball thing and now Nebraska's elbowing its way in there against the Hawkeyes. This Northwestern-Iowa, specifically uh, over the last maybe 10, 15 years or so, this has been a really good series, Doc. Is Northwestern versus Iowa maybe not get the attention that it deserves amongst Big Ten West rivalry games? 
It certainly does not. You know, it doesn't generate enough respect, and it probably needs more. And part of that is from the Iowa fans themselves. Anybody that's probably in their 40s or so remembers that 21-year winning streak Iowa had where Iowa beat Northwestern every year. And so it's always been this thought that it's just Northwestern. They're just this little team, and, and every time they beat Iowa, it means Iowa's horrible, and it's just not the case. I mean, this is a team that regularly beats Iowa, Nebraska, uh, consistently beats uh, Wisconsin. In fact, I think a couple of years ago was the first time Wisconsin had beat them in Evanston since, like, 99. Uh, so they are, and this series is pretty heated. Uh, you know, that, that became the target for uh, North, former Northwestern coach uh, Gary Barnett uh, back in the 90s because of what Hayden Fry had said, a kind of a disparaging remark. And then and just kind of from, you know, over time, it, it's, it's, you know, festered into a really good series. The only thing it's missing is a trophy. And, uh, but I think you could pretty much set one up and it'd be viewed in just the same way for the players anyway as uh, most of the other games, maybe not maybe not at the same level as Iowa State, um, Wisconsin, or Nebraska, but uh, certainly it's it got as much value as any other on the schedule. Doc, I was starting to read through, and I haven't got through all of it yet, but the state of the program for the Gophers. And, and P.J. Fleck is he's, he's a character. Some he, are picking the Gophers to win the division, Trent. And that's where I want to go. We, we've talked a lot about, obviously, Iowa, Nebraska here, Northwestern, who won the division a year ago. But the Gophers have been a team that we just haven't talked a ton about. What they did at the end of the year, how they dominated Wisconsin, they returned a ton, they played a ton of young kids the last couple of years. Are are we maybe sleeping on this Gopher team a little bit too much? Plus, their crossover is about as good as you're going to find in comparison to the rest of the West this year. I think they have a chance to be a very competitive team in the West Division. I think they have, save for Rondale Moore, the best receiver in Tyler Johnson. Mm-hmm. I think they're going to be physical up front. I think they're running backs. Uh, collective running backs um, mm-hmm. I think are better than anybody in the division. They're not as good as individually as Jonathan Taylor. Right. but uh, And their defense is pretty good. It, it's just I, I don't know that they have the quarterback to be able to beat teams. Who do you think that's going to be, Doc? Is it good? It's not Anikstead, right? He had his chance. Is it going to be Morgan? Well, they're both young, and I think it's going to be Morgan, but it very well could uh, you know, it could be a situation where they trade off. You know, you never know with young quarterbacks what might happen so i kind of think that uh it'll probably be morgan but you know that, that that's hard to say it's just i'm not sure they could come to kinnick and win uh they haven't won in, in in iowa city in 20 years uh i don't know that they can you know keep pace scoring wise with a with a nebraska i'm not sure that they can do what they did to wisconsin two years in a row i do think they're pretty good and i think they're capable of very much competing. Just not. I just. I. I guess I just got to see it from the Gophers before I believe it. Hmm. November home to Penn State at Iowa at Northwestern home to Wisconsin. There it is. Yeah, there. There it is. <laughs> and the crossovers: Rutgers, Maryland, and now, and as we know, Penn State uh, are the other two. Yeah, you know what, Trip? Maybe we're onto something. Maybe that's a, that is a, a team that's. See, I thought it was Purdue, Doc. I thought Purdue was the team that, you know, is not getting the, eh, respect's not the right word, but maybe is going to be 
uh, under-ranked, if you will, than, uh, than they deserve to be. Kind of come down to Sindelar, and he just can't stay healthy at the quarterback position. Extremely well coached. You mentioned Moore as dynamic a player as there is in college football. Is I mean, Purdue was that team for me. Is Purdue, where, where do they fit for you? I don't know that Purdue, I think Purdue is probably about where they have been, which is a 6-6 six and six team. I mean, they've got a really tough schedule. They've got some challenges ahead of them. I mean, you know, things like, you know, they've got, they've got to go to Penn State. They've got Minnesota at home. I think Minnesota, Purdue, Maryland, Indiana, I think they're all in a similar situation. But, uh, you know, they, they play, you know, in non-conference play. They go to Nevada, which isn't going to be an easy game. They they went 8-5 and five last year. Then they play Vanderbilt and TCU. Ouch. Um you know, last year they really struggled early, and they kind of fought through it. And and and, but you know, they they're losing some players. They you know they're they were kind of boomer bust last year. I mean, they got crushed a couple of times, and then they you know won beat Iowa and Ohio State. So I I think they're probably if they get if they go win six, maybe seven. I just don't have enough faith in them that they can defensively you know, can compete, you know, in each and every game going through. Didn't Purdue and Northwestern start last year on a Thursday? Wasn't that a week one game? Am I making that up in my yeah. head? Yeah, that was. That was a great game, too. That really Close, right? Nicely, yeah. Yeah, Northwestern won, but it was very competitive back and forth. Uh, Purdue was making a bunch of boneheaded plays. Did they have, like, three yeah, personal fouls there in the second half, something dumb like that? Your memory is better than. No, you're right, Trent. They shot themselves in the foot. I remember that aspect of it. Well, well, it's a wide open race. Doc, uh, earlier this hour, we were talking with Dylan Montz on the Iowa State perspective, and I asked about special teams, specifically the specialists, because we haven't talked a lot about that. To Iowa, the punter position feels set up with Michael Sleep Dalton coming in, grad transfer from Arizona State, and and for Iowa State, hopefully fixing the punting woes that have plagued them the last couple of years. The kicker spot, though, Miguel Racino's. Graduates with a great career behind him, but there are question marks there. There's a name that you know with Keith Duncan because of one kick against Michigan. Mm-hmm. Not a real big guy. Shudak has been, many people believe, the guy that is going to win this job. Have you heard anything? And, and what are your thoughts overall in the kicking position? That loss of Racinos might be bigger than we've talked about this summer. It has the potential to really be an important position because Iowa plays a, you know a pretty strong schedule and especially some road games, so you're going to need that field goal kicker to kick a 37-yarder or a 42-yarder at some point that's going to be pivotal. Now, between the two of them, you know, from what I've been told multiple different times, they're going to let August determine who wins it. You know, right now it's pretty close. They, If they have a favorite, they're not letting on who it is. Obviously, Keith Duncan has a resume, and he has a big kick to his name, but he was also beaten out, mm-hmm. uh, you know, by Miguel Racinos, and Racinos really developed nicely over his career. Uh, Shudik is also, uh, you know, thought of nicely by a, a lot of uh, the Iowa coaches. So I think this has got a chance to really compete, and that's one position where Iowa's not afraid to reach out. And you know, they have Lucas Amaya, who's a, a walk-on freshman coming in. If that, if the walk-on freshman's the best player, he'll play. And so I, I kind of think that it's going to come down to, uh, you know, how do they perform day in, day out, consistently making kicks in pressure situations in practice. And, and I think that that'll, you know, play itself out. I mean, Iowa's never, Iowa has been able to have kicking competitions well into the season, sometimes all the way through. Uh, and I don't 
say that that's what they want to do, but they're not afraid to do that. So I could, I could, you know, visualize something where, you know, say by, you know, it's not solved by September. I could, I could see them trading kicks, doing different things until they figure out who's number one. But I think they're in a better situation than they were a few years ago when, you know, they had nobody after, you know, Marcus, uh, or I mean, uh, you know, Marshall Kane left. Uh, Scott Dockerman covers the Hawkeyes for theathletic.com. Doc, great stuff. Uh, you're back from vacation. Want to share anything you're working on for the rest of the week or keep that under wraps until it gets posted at The Athletic? <laughs> I, I have a few stories I'm working on football-wise, but, but mostly, you know, right now we're, we're on the basketball side. We're starting our State of the Program series, and I've, I've got one of the first ones on Iowa basketball. So I think that publishes Thursday, I want to say. So uh, I, that's something that I guess I would like to say is, uh, you know, where we are going to, uh, in basketball, have, you know, a sizable presence for all schools. And, uh, you know, so if you're a basketball fan, now's the time to check out The Athletic as well. Indeed it is for all sports, no doubt about it. Scott Dockerman, Doc, we'll talk to you next Monday. We'll see you next Wednesday in Chicago. Appreciate it, Doc. All right, great, guys. Thanks so much. Yeah, good to talk to you, Scott Dockerman from The Athletic. All right, Trent Condon, fun show today. Yeah, lots of different angles. We talk kickers. Talk to kickers. We talk women's kickers. We did. A lot on the program today, the, the uh, United States women's soccer team. Uh, World Cup champions again. Uh, so tonight, it's I'm going to watch because Guerrero is in it. Mm-hmm. If he gets eliminated, probably tune out at that point. I'm not big on these kind of events. Never a big three-point shooter, dunk contest. No. Uh, the skills for the NHL and the All-Star Game is kind of meh to me as well. Pro Bowl, all of it's awful. It's terrible. Yeah, terrible. Um, but I'll watch the home run derby just for, for Vladimir Guerrero Jr. Have you jumped in at all to any summer basketball? I haven't. I watched a little bit. You Did- mean in, the, in Las Vegas? Yes. Yeah, no, I really was And it? man, oh man, it is growing like crazy. Oh, yeah. Was it Thursday night? Wednesday night, Friday night, I, they all kind of run together. Zion, when he played? Yes, and then the earthquake that went on. Yeah, and they had to cancel the Nuggets game, right? And, yeah, we had, uh, we'll have Zubin on tomorrow. We will, yes, 11-15, uh, 11-20. Because he was anchoring then afterwards, and they cut to Mark Jones. Oh, was Jones. he? Yes, and it was, it was compelling. So they cut to Mark Jones, and he was there with Doris Burke. Mm-hmm. And Mark Jones... Was so good, could, by the way. Yeah, You could tell he was shaken. He went, and it was... Funny in a way, I mean, not funny the circumstances, mm-hmm. but because he just kept talking and talking and talking. He had to talk for five minutes straight when they cut to him, when Zubin threw it to him with a question, and Doris Burch just standing, sitting next to him, and you could tell that Mark Jones just kind of huh. sometimes, you know, when you have that nervous energy and yeah. it, it keeps going, you could really tell. So I want to get Zubin's perspective on that. I think that'll be interesting, but I've watched a little bit. I wanted to see yesterday, I know um, it was going to be Tyler Cook made his debut mm-hmm. with the Nuggets and did make it back from Minneapolis on time. That was NBA TV. He had, that. he had six, according to Twitter, at one point. I don't know what he finished Had to put with. back dunk. That yeah, left-handed that's dunk. Cook. That's Tyler Cook, and right. that's how he's going to find a role. Be the garbage man. Mm-hmm. Be Reggie Evans. Mm-hmm. How about Shaq getting a two-way deal already? Isn't that crazy? It's great. Those Iowa him. State guys, just one after another. Naz Mitrulong is yeah. going to be on an NBA roster. He's tearing up that league. Maybe I should get into it a little bit more. Boy, you bet on in Vegas. I can't believe the popularity of this thing. It has grown so much in that city. They really want an NBA franchise. Mm-hmm. Well, the NHL's there. The NFL will be there next year. MLB, pretty hot outside in the summertime. It is. All right, Murph and Andy today at 2, Fanatics at 4. We'll do it all again tomorrow. In the morning rush, we'll start it off at 6. 
thanks for being here with us today. Uh, podcasts are up or will be within the uh, next couple of hours. Miller and Condon on Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO.